Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ty, a mom of two and entrepreneur. Two years ago, I launched Next Chapter Studio, my motherhood photography business. And now I am launching Next Chapter Collective, a sister brand of my original business that is all about building a community for moms in any chapter of their motherhood journey. On this podcast, I will be interviewing other moms every single Tuesday, talking about anything and everything. We are diving into all of it. So join us every Tuesday for next chapter of the podcast and let's get into it. Hello mamas, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have on an amazing, amazing mom. She is actually my virtual assistant for my business next chapter studio and she is so incredible. I'm so grateful that she sat down and chatted with me for this episode. Erin is a single mom by choice. So she has a one and a half year old son and went through the IVF process of becoming a single mom by choice through a sperm donor. So she shares her entire experience of deciding to look into the entire process, her pregnancy, um, giving birth and, you know, postpartum and raising her son as a solo parent and all of the challenges that have come with it, but also all of the amazing, incredible, empowering things that have come with it as well. So she is truly so inspirational. This is such an empowering episode. And whether you are a a woman that's looking into this process or wants to know more about it, I personally was not very educated on the entire process before our interview. And I truly was blown away just by how incredible it is and, you know, everything that she had to go through um, to have her little boy and how amazing it is now. And they have such an incredible relationship and bond. So this is such a great episode, such a good listen. So I hope you guys love this episode on becoming a single parent by choice. And uh, let's get into it. So I'm really grateful that you uh, are going to share your story. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy. Yeah, to be of course. Here. So, okay. So you are today. We're going to talk about how you were a single mom by choice. Mm-hmm. You have a little boy. He's one and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and you live in Saratoga. So we're going to chat about kind of your journey to motherhood. What made you decide to be a single mom by choice? Um, your experience postpartum and coming home and that entire adjustment. And also, I'd love love to chat a little bit about your decision to become a virtual assistant and do consulting. You know, like you said, to have like that flexible schedule, which I love because I feel like that's so important as a mom to be able to, I don't know, I think it's nice to be able to have that flexibility. I mean, for me as a single mom, it is essential. I I need it. It's like non-negotiable. So I have to make that happen for myself. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So we have a lot to talk about. So let's start with kind of your path to motherhood. So I do remember you, and for anyone that doesn't know, Erin is um, my virtual assistant. So she helps me with all of my, I honestly don't know. I think it's probably what, been about a month. And I don't even know what I did before you. (laughs) (laughs) No, you just really, and so many people said to me too, you won't, like, once you have someone to really help you, I feel like you ask yourself or tell yourself, like, how did I not do this sooner? It's just like. Yeah. Once you're on the other end of it, you're like, wait, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So when we did chat, I think for one of our calls um, recently, you did mention that it was kind of during 2020, like during covid when everything shut down that you kind of started to get this idea and to start really thinking about it. So kind of bring us through <clears throat> around that time when you started to really decide that this was something that you were interested in, in looking into. Yeah. Um, I think even before 2020, I obviously knew that people did this. I knew that sperm banks existed and yeah. um during, you know, I'm in my, I'm 38 now. I started really kind of <clears throat> it, sort of my thinking phase about this started around age 35, mm-hmm. which is often like an age where, you know, if you read about motherhood and stuff, that's like, the, that's like this, the age where your fertility can start to decline. 
Yes. Now, that's not true for everybody. Everybody's really different, but that's like the medical community's like view. 35 is like the scary age. But it's when you're considered, is it when you're considered a high risk pregnancy? Yeah, you're like okay. considered a geriatric pregnancy, which I think is total crap. I don't know if yeah. I can swear. I have no, to ask you, can I swear? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's bullshit. It is. That's crazy. 35 years old. Yeah. So, you know, and I had this sort of idea was in my back pocket. It was like a backup plan. It was Mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, if I don't meet somebody and, you know, forge a partnership with them, like, you know, I need to really think about this because the biological clock, when that's like in your, when you're in your mid thirties and that sort of ticking is in your ear, literally like, you know, it's, it's very, it, it felt very crippling to me. So, um, you know, I, I really thought long and hard, like, do I, do I even like, let me take a big step back. Do I even want mm-hmm. to become a mom? And I, I looked ahead into my life five years, 10 years ahead. And if I saw myself without a partner or without being married, you know, that was something I could live with. That's okay with me. But if I looked yeah. ahead five or 10 years and I wasn't a mom, that wasn't going to be okay with me. Mm-hmm. So that was like that moment where I was like, okay, like here I am, like I'm living my life. I'm dating. I'm not really meeting anybody, but I want this other thing. And oftentimes these two, these two, in the traditional sense, these things are bundled together, relationship, love, baby, marriage, all of those things are bundled together. So what I really had to do in my mind is kind of untangle those things. Mm -hmm. And really what I did is I just, I did things out of order. Like I don't, I, I don't see myself being single forever. I'd love to meet somebody, but the biological clock in my ear was ticking so loudly and I knew I wanted to be a mom. So I really had to kind of separate these two things. Yeah. Baby in one hand relationship, hopefully in the future in another hand. Yes. Um, and what happened during the pandemic was that these things were sort of, I was thinking about it. I was, re- I'm a researcher. So I, I research everything. It takes me, I, I read everything I can get my hands on about this. So I sent down this path of like, researching everything, gobbling up as much information as I could. I found a podcast that completely like changed my life that was just like all about this. It was about solo motherhood, single motherhood by choice. And um, when the pandemic hit, I was like, look, okay, I'm not dating. I'm definitely not dating now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stuck at home. (laughs) I'm stuck at home. And actually it was a relief to not be dating them. Like there was just so much else going on. And I was mm-hmm. just like focusing on my job at the time and just kind of making it through. And it just, I think it was a time for everyone to just like reflect. Mm-hmm. And my reflection was, wait, I want to be a mom. And like, this is putting that timeline out even further because when you start a relationship, like when you're in your mid thirties and you start a relationship, you don't have like years and years and years to get to know somebody and travel together and like fall in love. Like, I mean, you, you do have time, but you gotta be, you gotta be really sure. And I felt like this pressure was so crippling and I didn't want to settle, you know, like I, I don't want to settle for some guy who's good enough. Like I, I, I believe that there's like, you know, somebody out there for me, but the desire and the priority to be a mom was just greater at this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that was when you really decided to look into, so during 2020 is when you kind of really focused on looking into it further. And yeah, that's when I really upped my research and I started to make doctor's appointments too, Mm because I wanted to like see where I was, you know, I had I would go to like my yearly gynecological visit, but mm-hmm. I'd never done any sort of like fertility testing. I didn't know if I could get pregnant or not. I didn't know any of this, like this sort of blood work that you have to do. Like I just, I started to make those appointments and that's when it really kind of moved into the next phase. Like I wasn't just thinking about it. I was actually taking steps yes. to make this happen for myself. Um, You know, that's the other piece too, is that like, just in terms of like my outlook and my life, like I felt like I was just like waiting for this 
man to come into my life and like make this happen for me. And I was like, wait a second, that's not how I live my life. Like I, I make my shit, I make shit happen for myself, you know, like, and so that's really what, when I kind of woke up and was just like, wait, this doesn't feel like me. This doesn't feel right. I think I need to really like start moving forward with this and making this happen for myself. So yeah, so so I started making appointments. I was going to say, so what was that first step for you to, to kind of start that process? So the first step was just making an appointment with my OBGYN. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up, there's a bunch of different ways that there's a bunch of different ways to get pregnant. There's a bunch of different procedures that can happen. And when you're not doing it naturally, um, with a partner, there's, a couple of options. So I started to explore those options. One of them is, it's called an IUI, mm-hmm. um, it's, which is when they actually like a doctor will put the sperm like into your uterus, like closer to the egg. Okay. Um, and people who struggle getting pregnant um, in their relationships, like they can, they can do those appointments too. Like they can do those procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first like making that appointment to do that with my doctor was the first like official, um, like real step. Um, I actually did three, I think I did three, maybe even four IUI appointments, Okay, which were not successful. Um, it's a little bit of a long shot. It's like, there's a, to- a ton of different like health factors that could, um, there's just like, a, the timing has to be right. I mean, there's just like, <laughs> There's so many different layers. Um, so, so with the IUI, is that process includes a sperm donor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what are the other options aside from the IUI? So outside of that, there's moving on, moving on to IVF would be, you know, if, if people, people will try IUIs often or sometimes people jump right to IVF. Okay. Um, I ended up conceiving using IVF. I did a couple of IUIs. They weren't successful. I was just like kind of ready to get this show on. At that point, I was like, I'm ready. Like, I don't want to wait. Yeah. (laughs) So then from there, I moved out of my doctor's office and I went to a fertility clinic that focuses on this. Okay. I did IVF. Okay. Which was a whole process. Anybody out there who does IVF, whether they're doing it in a partnership or not, it's Mm -hmm. a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I have quite a few maternity clients that um, struggled to conceive and went through IVF and just hearing their stories. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot on your body and I'm, I'm sure not only physically, but mentally it's, it's got to be, it's got to be a lot as well. Yeah. And I think oftentimes people think of IVF and they're like, Oh, IVF, like that works for everybody. Like that works for people. But the Mm -hmm. reality is it's not a sure thing. Um, and that was very nerve wracking and it's very expensive. Um, I did not have fertility coverage with my healthcare and the fact that I'm single also puts another layer on that, which is, you know, complicated healthcare is complicated no matter what. Yeah. 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 So, um, it, yeah, I had to do, you know, injections on myself. I had to get myself to all my appointments at the fertility clinic. It is a lot for sure. It's not for the faint of heart. You have to know, you have to like, be really sure that this is what you want when you start down the IVF path. (laughs) So for your IVF journey, did you, did you get pregnant that first round of IVF? Yes, I so part of the IVF process is doing an egg retrieval. That's the first phase of it. And um, I did not get a lot of eggs. I, a lot is kind of a relative term, but, mm-hmm. you know, I had read stories about women and I knew women who did IVF and they got 15 eggs, 20 eggs. I, from my <laughs> round, bless you, from my round of IVF, I only got five eggs, which felt it was just an incredibly anxious time because I got something, but it didn't, I didn't, there's so many other hoops you have to jump through. Like in IVF, like the eggs is just one part of it. Yeah. And you have to fertilize the eggs and then they have to grow. And 
So I was working with not a lot and I was very, very, very nerve wracking. Um, so I got, so you get, you get a number of eggs. I got five eggs and then mm-hmm. you, you, they look at them under a microscope and only three of them, three of the five were usable. They were considered mature. And then from there, those three eggs get put in a Petri dish and they get combined with the sperm. And then from there, they have to continue to grow a little bit. And yes, my first transfer was my son. I had luck on the first try, which like, I mean, every child is a miracle. Every baby is a miracle. I believe that. But I truly believe that my child is like a huge miracle because this is like, it was so tight and so like cutting it so close. And um, so I got three embryos from that process. And my son was like the best looking one under the microscope. Like they kind of have all these grading, they grade them, they judge them based on appearance. And the doctor was like, this is the one you should transfer if you want to do the transfer. And I said, yes, let's do it. And it worked. I'm so fortunate. (laughs) That's amazing. So was, so when you um, decided to stop trying with the IUI process and switch to IVF, did you use the same sperm donor when you started doing IVF? No, I used a different one because another thing that happened during 2020 and like the early months of the pandemic was that a lot of other women were doing this. Sperm banks were selling out of sperm. Like they were just going so fast. So like you could you know, there's a bunch of sperm banks out there. There's small ones, there's big ones. There's just so much to look at. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, being on a dating app. Like you read all of these stats about these guys, and but you don't actually see like their adult pictures. You see, they submit baby pictures or toddler pictures. Really? Yeah. I was so- curious to know, um, to know how that process worked of, yeah. okay. It's okay, crazy. so we pictures. Yeah, it's crazy. And so then there's like details about, um, you know, appearance stuff like mm-hmm. eye color, hair color, um, hair texture, you know, build sort of like body type. And yeah. then there's a lot of health information and family information, information okay. about the donor's parents, siblings, grandparents, how they died, if they're still alive, if they had any if they died of any diseases, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, And then there's a couple of other added components of like, you know, that the donors write a letter about why they wanted to donate. I mean, they're, they're paid for it. So it's like, it's a little bit of a weird thing, but I didn't, I didn't go into that, the donor selection process thinking like, okay, there's one perfect donor for me. Like I need to find this perfect person. Like, I don't believe in that. Like, I don't even believe in like the one in terms of like relationships. Like I don't believe that. So um, I didn't like look at these donors and think like, okay, I need that one. Like I have to buy that right now. Like I just kind of looked at them kind of generally like, okay, like how is there, they do like emotional intelligence scores. Like that was important to me. I cared a lot about emotional intelligence. I also picked a donor that kind of had similar features to me okay, because yeah. I wanted my son to look like me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, duh. <laughs> so, you know, I picked a guy with blue eyes and brown hair, you know, yeah. white skin, <laughs> you know, um, I, genetics are just so crazy. I didn't know how it was going to come out, but um, I, I'm told that he looks, my son looks like me. So I- Oh, like he definitely 16, does. 16, so that yeah. you were very successful with that. You know, yeah. that's very smart. You're like, listen, if I'm going to go through all of this, I want him to look like yeah, me. better look like me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. that's crazy the, process. It was crazy. And it's like the shipping of the sperm is really wild too. It like it has to be shipped in dry ice and okay. you can ship it to your house and like FedEx brings you this huge it looks like almost like a mini spaceship like it's the craziest thing and you can't you can't open it they have to bring it to the doctor the doctor and the embryologist have to open it like it's this oh wild God. wild thing 
so yeah i had sperm shipped to my house multiple times it's in a little spaceship in a little tiny spaceship do you you know where um your sperm donor lives do they tell you that like do they tell you the state um no i did i picked an it's called an open donor there's open donors which means that they are open to being um contacted by the child once the child reaches 18. I don't have any information about him or where he lives or what his name is. But when my son reaches the age of 18, if he's interested in in exploring who his donor is, at that point, we would reach out to the sperm bank for more information. And they would share that with us. Okay, got it. I did pick an open donor in the event that my son wants to explore that. If you pick a closed donor, it's there's none of no that. Contact. There's no contact whatsoever. Okay. Um. So I, I didn't I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I did yeah. an open donor. And then in other situations like mine, like when you become a solo mom by choice, I have a friend that did it as well, and she picked someone that we know to be her donor. A, a gay guy really? that we are friends with is her donor, so she really? knows him and he knows the child. So it's it's. It, I've heard of people wow. doing that. That's called like a known donor where it's like somebody in okay. your life or somebody sort of connected to you that offers to donate sperm. And did it's, she do this at the same time that you did this this process? Yeah. Our kids are about six weeks apart. Oh my goodness. Well, that had to have been pretty cool and kind of like it had to make you feel not not better, but like maybe more comfortable that someone else that you knew was maybe going through this that you could kind of your experience and your feelings with and she like understood where you were coming from totally I mean what I really realized is that like there is a very large community of women across the country and across the world that do this Mm -hmm. I've I've connected with actually the woman who run runs the podcast that I found about single motherhood it's called the single greatest choice I've actually she's her son is about a year older than mine and we've like connected through her podcast and have become friends. There's this, there's this wide like community of women that are doing this and they're all from all different backgrounds, all different ages. Like they're just women who are like, we want to be moms. Like, and we don't want to settle for a partner just to have a baby. Like there's just so many reasons and drivers that bring people to this point. Um, Yeah. That is incredible. I like, that's amazing. That is so crazy that one of your friends that you guys did it at the same time. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. So how was your pregnancy? Once you found out you, you know, that the transfer was successful. Yeah, it it was, it was good. Uh, You know, the early days were early weeks. I I didn't have Mm. it too bad, but I definitely experienced a little bit of you know, nausea and stuff like that. But no, it was, it was pretty smooth. I think there were two things that popped out as like, (laughs) I had like really bad insomnia during my whole pregnancy. And I'm somebody that like, I mean, everybody needs sleep, but I need sleep. And so my insomnia (laughs) was really, it really messed with me. Um, And then I also had like, I was like breaking out on my skin, like my skin on my face and I never break out. So I was like, these are the two things, like my skin on my face and my sleep. Like these are two things that I really love and they're being screwed with right now. But that was it. It was, um, okay, good. it was very smooth. Yeah. Smooth. And did you, this is something that just popped into my head during the IVF process. Did you know, um, like when they retrieved your eggs, did you know, how many were male, how many were female? Did you like know throughout the process or did you find out later on? So I didn't know at at the onset of the process. Um, What people do do in IVF is once they create embryos, that's when you can find out what the gender or sex of the child is, but you have to send those embryos out to be tested Okay. In order to get that, which I did not yeah. do. Oftentimes yeah. people will do genetic testing on their embryos to make sure that they're healthy and like high quality or whatever. Because I wasn't working with a lot of embryos, I didn't really have that much to, to choose from. I did not do genetic testing. So um, no, I didn't know that Silas was going to be a boy. I found that out, you know, 
with the blood tests in the first yeah. trimester that other yeah. people find out with. Yeah. So that was a surprise. Okay. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Um, so let's, I guess let's skip straight to end of your pregnancy and your birth. Did you, um, how was that? How was your labor and delivery experience? Did you have anyone with you for support? How was all of that? Yeah. So my sister was with me. She was my support person. Um, she's been a huge cheerleader for me during this process. She lives about 10 minutes from me and she has two small children as well. So this whole, um, plan she's been in on it from the beginning, obviously. So yeah, she was there with me. My experience was fine. You know, I went in with an open mind knowing that yeah. there were going to be curveballs. Um, I think the biggest curveball for me was that my water broke, which doesn't happen to, it only happens to like 10 or 11% of women. And I was surprised that that happened to me. My water broke, but then nothing happened. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I was like, wait, I thought <laughs> in the movies, when your water breaks, then you're like, yeah. have the baby immediately. Rushed. But that like, did yeah. not happen for me. Um, but yeah, it was fine overall. So ultimately because of the water breaking and nothing happening, I had to be induced, which, you know, whatever I, I, ideally I wanted to like labor at home, but that didn't, that didn't pan out. So, but it was fine. It was a fine experience. So how was your first, um, like the first, let's say like couple of weeks home? Yeah. You know, with the newborn. I mean, it was. was It it was so, this is what I had a friend that had a baby recently, her first baby. And I was just like, look, like there's nothing that can prepare you. Like, yeah, I can tell you what happened with me. You can listen to all these stories, but like nothing can really truly prepare you for that. And I knew that I had that in my mind when I came home with Silas, you know, it was crazy. It was just like adjustment and like just the feeding, the feeding, the feeding. That's always the thing. Like that was the one that was just like, it was just. It was very intense, but you know what? I can't remember exactly when I started to feel this, but like eventually, maybe in like the second or third month of his life, like I kind of realized that like, oh, like I have a very easy baby. I was blessed with a very, it's almost as if he was like, okay, mom, like you're doing it on your own. Like I'm yeah. going to go easy on you. I'm going to give yeah. you a break girl. Okay. Yeah. And that's truly what I believe I have. And I've thought a lot about this, like this sort of nature versus nurture, like, is your child born the way that they are, mm-hmm. you know, or do you, do you, you have influence over them? And obviously it's both, but I think that he was born like very easygoing and very chill. And then I'm also giving him that energy. Yes. Um, And so I realized like early on that, hey, like he sleeps in his bouncer thing while I take a shower or like Mm -hmm. I can cook a meal and I can brush my teeth. Like I wasn't having those moments of like, ah, like I haven't showered in days. My hair is dirty. Like there wasn't any of that because I was just like, I just have my cool, chill little sidekick now and he's (laughs) good with whatever. So I was like, oh, yeah. I I totally agree with that. I think that the energy that you put out, I think they completely like latch on to. I remember when my husband and I had our first son, obviously I feel like as a first time parent, like you said, it's kind of just a little bit of chaos. Like you don't necessarily know what you're doing. You're kind of like trying to find the rhythm. And I was the mom that every time I like heard him cry for even five seconds, I would pick him up. And I felt like that definitely transferred over to him and he would notice when we were tense. And then with my second, we were just so much more like you, like you were saying with you and Silas, we were just so much more laid back and kind of like go with the flow. It'll happen. You know, there was no rush to anything. And I, I really feel like they sense that as babies, yeah. they, they kind of sense that and go with whatever way you're feeling. So yes. that's amazing that, that the yeah, adjustments seem pretty good. I mentioned earlier that sleep is so important to me. Like I'm just somebody mm-hmm. that it's like, and I knew having a child on my own, like my sleep would be compromised, but actually what's ended up happening again, I'm so fortunate, but I, I, I prioritize putting Silas on a sort of like routine, getting him into a flow. Um, and he just took to it like a moth to a flame. So I was like, this is working perfectly. He was actually sleeping through the night 
by like 14 weeks, 14 or 15 weeks. Oh my goodness. I know. I'm knocking on wood. Like, I know. I will knock on wood. Find someone, knock on <laughs> It's just, even to this day, like, he still goes to bed around 6 30, 6 45. He's a year and a half and he's solid through the night. And so this makes me feel, this is my time. Like, I still have my evenings, you know, like I have my evenings to do the housework and get ready for the next day and all that stuff. But I also have time to take a shower and do self-care and talk to Mm -hmm. friends on the phone and relax, watch TV, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I still feel like I have the balance of, you know, motherhood and, and just like myself, like my own time to care for myself so I'm so fortunate I know that I am I, oh. I know that I am I every day every day I'm thankful <laughs> that's amazing I feel like when your child is a good sleeper it's just a game changer when you're able to not only yourself get a good night's sleep but like you said still have that time at night to really take care of yourself too I think that's huge so that's good yeah, yeah. he knew he knew that you he needed that he, he knew you needed your sleep yeah, he knew. <laughs> <laughs> so how being a single mom and raising a son, have you do you feel like you have a pretty good support system when it comes to I know you mentioned your sister has been great, um, and friends, and do you feel like you've had a pretty good like since he's been born, a pretty good kind of circle of people you can rely on that are there for you? Yeah, I definitely do. I have uh an aunt and uncle that live nearby as well. Um but it's something that I've thought about. I wonder a little bit if he was like a challenging baby or if, you know, he didn't sleep very well. Like, I wonder Mm -hmm. how I would feel about that. Like Mm -hmm. right now I'm from where I'm sitting, we have such a good flow and a good energy going and the nights are fine. And it's like, I think that people maybe hear single mom by choice or solo mom or whatever. And and think that your life is just must be so chaotic and crazy and hard. And I'm here to say that that's like not my life at all. Like it almost, it's like surprises me sometimes because I'm like, I wasn't (laughs) expecting that, but it's very chill. And yes, um, my sister is a great help. And she just, because she's a mom, she, she just can anticipate and knows exactly what I need. I don't even have to like say like, can you help me with this? Like, she's just like doing it. Yeah, Yeah, she knows, she gets it there's just like, there's just a lot that I just do and it's fine. And it's like, this is like the choice that I made, you know, like Mm -hmm. I just feel very empowered and like confident. And I really kind of trust myself as a mom, you know, a year and a half in, I'm not sure when I like fully trusted myself with everything. It was probably earlier on in his life. You know, I was like, I got this, like, I got this. Yeah. Were there ever any, um, like in the last year, were there ever any moments where you like felt super overwhelmed and you're like, oh my gosh, I am doing this on my own. How am I going to get through that? Have, were there ever like any moments like that? Or do you feel like you've been pretty, pretty confident in, you know, being a single parent? Yeah. Um, you know, I think before he was born, I really thought my life was going to be hard, like, mm-hmm. but it was going to be worth it. You know, I was, yeah. I was down this path because I, knew that this was what I wanted, hard stuff and easy stuff and good stuff, yeah. all of the things, you know. But then once I'm once I got on the other side of it and he was actually here, I was just like I was like, I didn't view it as like, oh, like I'm I there's a little okay, let me back up for a second. There's a little bit of like there was a little bit of mourning while I was pregnant. Like mourning that I wasn't doing this the way that I thought I was going to be doing this. I Mm -hmm. didn't grow up thinking that I was going to have a child on my own. Like that wasn't the quote unquote fairy tale that we're taught, obviously. Yeah. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I, I've had such a, like a mental shift. Like our life is awesome. I can't, um, I love doing this by myself. Like I don't have to ask anybody or like compromise with anybody about raising my child like there's just none of that emotional energy that has to go into another person and I'm not saying that there's good that there's I'm not saying that having a partner is bad obviously but like I observe 
married couples and couples raising children in my life, friends, family members. And there's a lot of like negotiating, you know, there's a lot of like back and forth, a lot Mm -hmm. of like talking about the child rearing and stuff. And it's just so fascinating for me to observe because I'm like, I don't have to do any of that. Like all (laughs) of my emotional energy can go into myself, bettering myself or dealing with my son or bettering him. Like, it's just like, it's, it's awesome. And it's not obviously for everybody, but now that I'm on the other side of it and I'm here a year and a half in, I'm like, this is awesome. I I'm so glad I did it this way. I'm I, it's, it's more amazing than I ever thought it would be. It's got to be so empowering for you to, I would, I would think at least just knowing that you were capable of carrying and growing and birthing and raising someone on your own, that you didn't need someone else, you know, to help you. It's got to be a very empowering experience too. Yeah. I mean, I look at him all the time and I'm just like in awe and I'm just like, yeah. holy shit. Like I did that. I made that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I brought that baby into this world and I'm doing yeah. it. <laughs> did you have anyone when you were going through the process of deciding to start this and even when you were pregnant, did you have anyone, whether you, you know, were close to them or not kind of question question your decision to do this like on your own or do you feel like it was pretty you got pretty much support from everyone it was mostly support there were definitely there were I can think of like two unnamed family members who yeah who did they had a small comments for me which I Uh immediately shut down and like you know I'll forgive but I won't forget those comments like I you know there were definitely a couple of people that I was just like, you know what? <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> yeah, my decision. Like, I'm not some 18, 19 year old deciding to do this. I'm 35, yeah. 36 years old. Like, I've obviously thought long and hard about this. This wasn't a snap decision. This mm-hmm. is just what I want for my life. So, and I, I feel like once you reach that point, like, people just need to support. And most people did. Most people did. It's yeah. been very positive. Yeah. That's good. Um, Okay. So what, what made you decide to become a virtual assistant, kind of start your own business? What were you doing before you decided to do that? And what kind of triggered, was it after you had Silas that you decided that you wanted to have this more flexible schedule? Well, so I was working at a job where I did have a flexible schedule and that's kind of what made me think that I could have Silas and and still maintain that flexible schedule. But unfortunately, what ended up happening when I got back from maternity leave was that that flexibility was like going away. It was being like taken away from me. And I did not go into motherhood thinking that I would be starting my own business (laughs) before he even turned one year old. Like that was not in the plan. Yeah. Um, But as you know, and as everyone knows, life throws you curveballs. And this was a big curveball because I was just like, like I said earlier, like the flexibility was essential, especially that first year, like he's in daycare, you know, like he's getting sick every month. Like he has a fever. I have to go get him. It's me. Like there's nobody else to call. Like I'm the person has to do it. So, so yeah. So, but this, the idea to start my consulting and virtual assistant business was like in the back of my mind, but it was not like something that I thought I was going to have to do as soon as I did. But then once the, my job thing just, it just started, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. It felt like I wasn't being supported and I did not like that. I was very resentful of that. So I was like, you know what? I think I need to get this plan into action, working for myself. Silas goes to daycare around the corner from our home, which is just it's unbelievable because we can have like a casual morning, you know, hanging out. And then I can just strap him in the baby carrier and walk around the corner. Same thing at the end of the day. Like I can go grab him early if I want to. Um, so it's like a dream come true that, and he actually didn't even have that daycare lined up when I was pregnant. Like I was on a million wait lists. (laughs) Oh my gosh. um, Daycare is crazy too. It's, I feel like no one ever has any availability and there's such a need. There's always. It was was the biggest anxiety and the thing that kept me up at night when I was pregnant because, because I need daycare. I I have to work. I'm a single income. Like I have to. So when I got the call that there was a spot open for him at the place around the corner, 
Um, he was maybe a month or two old. And I seriously felt like I had won the lottery. I felt like he got into college. Like I was like, this is the best day ever. Hit the jackpot. I did. I did hit the jackpot. But yeah, daycare is crazy. I mean, the cost a lot, it's the financial piece has been challenging. Obviously starting your own business, as you know, like it can take a while for things to get going. So yeah, that, you know, was not anticipated for me, but I feel very confident that I'll get my business where I need it to be to support me and Silas and have the life that I want us to have. And also to maintain that flexibility that I, that I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, when you were at your previous um, career and you came back from maternity leave and they told you that that flexibility was going away, was that just for you specifically, or was that just kind of like a company wide decision that they were making? Well, the business that I was working for was a restaurant. Okay. And so it really was just me because I was the one on staff who did all of the marketing and administration, okay. administrative stuff and operational stuff. And so I did have, I was really the only one on staff that had that flexibility. So <laughs> that's why it felt yeah. very personal <laughs> when it was yeah. like, taken away yeah. from me. Um, you know, I think if I was working at a corporate job, like working from home kind of thing. Like I don't necessarily, well, who knows? I, I, I guess I, you never really know who's going to be supportive of moms in the workplace and who's not, it kind of surprises, yeah. it surprises you on both ends. So um, yeah, major curveball definitely was not in the plan, but with any job ending and sort of wrapping up, I think, I mean, my, my intuition was just screaming at me and I'm very in tune with my gut and my intuition Mm -hmm. and my intuition was like, this is not good. This is not good. You gotta, you gotta make some moves. You gotta get out of here. So yeah, I listened to that and I'm very glad that I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and it's amazing. As scary as it is, it's terrifying. I was going to say that had to be a very, that's a huge decision, especially when you've just become a mom. Um, It's definitely a scary decision, but. I mean, I feel like you should be very proud of yourself too, because you decided to do something for yourself and start your own business. And that's huge. It takes, it takes a lot to make that decision. Yeah. And he's like, Silas is a big motivator, you know, this is all for him really. Like, I mean, I'm trying to just like create the life that I want for me and him. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. That's, that's what everyone's trying to do. (laughs) Yeah. What do you feel like has been the hardest or the most challenging part of being a solo parent so far? Um, I think financial stuff is tough. Mm-hmm. I knew that that would be the case, you know, at any point I knew that that was, I mean, kids are expensive They're and, and daycare is expensive and we really, as a society, we don't really get a lot of help in that area. Yeah. Um, from our government or whatever, but like that part, but it's also like, it's a temporary thing. You know, daycare isn't forever. Daycare Mm -hmm. is just for a certain number of years. So I keep telling myself that, um, other hard parts. I don't know. You know, sometimes I feel, I think actually because he was such an easy baby, that now that he's mobile and moving around, it feels harder now. I just yeah. feel more tired. You know, he's not yeah. a lump that just lays on the ground anymore. Like he, yeah. he is keeping me very, very, very busy. Cause he's at that point where like he can still easily get hurt and fall. Yeah. And so, but like, I'm so, every phase has been so interesting and so cool with him. Like every age, I'm like, this is my favorite age. And then he turns another age. And I'm like, wait, no, this is my favorite age. And then he's going to like start talking soon. And everyone's like, oh, that's going to bring a whole other level. Cause yeah. like, I'm still like, we communicate. He understands everything that I say, but we're not talking. I'm still just like, right. I'm the one that's talking in the yeah. household. I'm like talking to myself, talking to him. <laughs> so when he's finally going to be able to talk, like, oh my gosh, that's going to bring a whole different level to our lives. But I'm having trouble like thinking of other hard things. There were definitely, to answer your earlier question about, there was one moment where I needed an extra, it was the one moment in the past like year and a half that I thought to myself like, oh my God, I wish I had a second set of hands right now. (laughs) And it was when Silas got his first stomach bug. And yeah, it was, 
disgusting and I yeah. couldn't like put him down anywhere without getting other things. Yeah. It was, yeah. I was just like, ah, I was like yeah. a chicken with my head. I was like, what do I do? Where do I put him? How do I wash my hands? Like, yeah, it was a very traumatizing moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Stomach bug is, is rough. Did you end up getting it too? Yeah, I did. It was, did. it was over a weekend, which actually worked out okay, but okay. it was a rough weekend. <laughs> because that's hard too when you are sick, but you still have to take care of them when they're okay. That's... Yes. That actually that's brings hard. up the very challenge. And thankfully, again, knocking on wood, like, um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, he was getting sick like once a month and he was in daycare as a, as a young baby. But um, yeah, I will say... I'm not a big drinker at all, but I did go out drinking with a friend for my birthday and I was hung over the next day. And I was like, yeah. no, like, yeah. no, I can't like, I just like woke up in the morning. I was like, this is going to be a really hard day. Yeah. Just accept it. This is going to be yeah. a hard day. Get through it. Get through the day and yeah. do not do this again. To yeah. yourself. <laughs> you learned your lesson. Yeah. That's oh, gotta yeah. be hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what do you, on the flip side, what do you feel like has been the most rewarding? I really do feel like I'm just, I pat myself on the back a lot because I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, he's in bed, he's sleeping. I'm, you know, cleaning the kitchen, preparing for the next day, preparing his lunch for the next day, you know, preparing dinner for myself, like all the sort of day-to-day stuff, the, the grind that I don't think it's unique that I'm as the mother, like doing all of those things, I feel like moms with partners do those things yeah. too. Like moms yeah. do it all. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and actually that kind of fills me with rage because sometimes I like doing all the things and I, and I, that's what I signed up for and I'm doing all the things and that's fine. And I accept that. And I have to run a household either way, like whether he's here or not, I've got to run the household and do the laundry and do the dishes. But like, yeah. sometimes I think about that stuff at the end of the day and I'm like, Oh, I'm so tired. And I'm like, wait, there's women out there that have a partner and they're still doing all this. It's like, wait. And then that, that makes me really true. happy. It yeah. makes me feel sad for these other women, but happy for myself because I'm like, yep, yeah. I'm doing it all. You're and that's all. what I signed up for. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, but he's just the best. I my ch- Everyone says this about their kids, obviously, but he, <laughs> it, it's hard to describe. Like my kid is the best. Like he is the best. He has surpassed any thought in my mind about what my child would be like. He's a lot like me. I see a yeah. lot of myself in him, like not even just like physically looking alike, like he's observant like I am. He's curious like I am. Like he's just like, I'm just, I just can't believe, first of all, that I did this. Second of all, that I have the coolest kid in the world. Third of all, <laughs> that I get to like spend my life with him. Yeah. You know, like I look ahead into the future now and I'm like circling back around to dating I'm not dating right now but I'm kind of thinking about getting back out there eventually and what will be so incredible is that I could go on a date and I don't have that pressure of becoming a mom anymore yes. like I have my son and if it's just yes. me and Silas and I don't meet anybody in the future I'm okay with that yeah but now I can go into dating with no pressure I can actually just like yeah. get to know somebody because I don't need to find out if like this person is going to be the guy who's going to make me a mom like I don't need yes. that you know? Yeah, that's such a so, good point. Like when I got home from the hospital, honestly, like in all of the craziness, I definitely remember feeling like a pressure valve was like released. I was like, yeah. okay, my son is here. I'm a mom. I achieved this goal, this like lifelong goal that I wanted. And now I can relax. I mean, yeah. I can't really relax because there's just so much going on, but I can relax in the sense that my fertility, I have what I want from that. You yeah. know, like I have my child and now dating doesn't feel scary or annoying I mean it's probably going to be annoying but <laughs> but there's no pressure which yeah. I love I love no that, pressure situations yeah that was something I was going to ask too is if you have kind of dived back into the whole dating scene and how you feel like you're going to navigate that now that you know you do have a son but yeah I I haven't really thought a ton about it like I said like I'm just starting now to think about possibly getting back out there and I mean I'm I'm open in my day-to-day life to meeting somebody I I work from home though so that's a little challenging but um yeah you know I think it's going to be very low-key and um 
I haven't really thought too much about like when I'll kind of bring Silas in, you know, it's obviously yeah. going to have to be somebody that I'm not just going to like introduce him to every guy that I hang out with. That's obviously not happening, but you know, I think because of the fact that I am home every night, like with him, it's not like I'm not that I was like going out at all really anyway, even before him, but like, I'm not like a, I don't know. I, I, I see myself like going on coffee dates during the day while he's at daycare, you know, like yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to like book my nightly schedule with dates. Like that's not happening. Yeah. So because I have this flexibility with work and stuff and I can work from a coffee shop, like mm-hmm. those things seem more approachable and attainable to me in terms of dating than like paying a babysitter. Yeah. Which I could do. I could do that, but we'll see. We'll see know, what happens. Ha- it's like, a coffee it's so shop nice sounds to- nice though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so we'll see. Yeah. What would you what would you tell a woman right now that is considering starting this process of becoming a single mom by choice, whether it's IUI, IVF, what would you what would be like the biggest piece of advice that you would give to someone that was in your position three, four years ago? I would say a couple of things. I would say to create a budget. Mm -hmm. I think having a financial piece in place before you start down this path is really important. No matter what approach you have, like it's just really important to have a handle on your finances. Um, I would also say, and this just goes to anybody, any woman that's like around the age of 30 or entering their thirties. This is something I feel very strongly about is to to get your fertility checked. Like these are not things that happen in your normal, you know, annual appointment with your OBGYN. Like these are things that should happen in my opinion, but they don't, you have to like seek out these things. Yeah. You know, if somebody had told, if I knew what I knew now, 10 years ago, I probably would have like frozen my eggs, you know, your eggs, eggs freezing, I think is an incredible thing. I wish I had done it. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that women have more information and were sort of told that they should really kind of take their fertility into account. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of just like, oh, I don't need to worry about that. I'm going to meet somebody. I'll meet somebody. It'll mm-hmm. happen. It'll happen for me. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that like freezing your eggs and getting your fertility checked is like an insurance policy for your future. It yeah. is like if, if you know you want to be a mom, like freeze your eggs. And it's not cheap. It's it's not cheap. But oftentimes I think we're reaching a point in our society where like healthcare, some people's healthcare plans or work plans, like cover stuff like that. So it's just something to really explore. Um, And then the other thing I would say, I would point them in the direction of the podcast that I mentioned, the single greatest choice. It's just like, and, and, and from there, just like reaching out to this community of women, like finding these women who are either on this path, thinking about it, Mm -hmm. actively doing it, actively parenting alone, like, um, it's just been, I've like met a lot of people on Instagram who are single moms by choice. So it's just like, there's, there's people out there. There's people out there. Talk to people before you do it. Like do the research, listen to the podcast, read the books. Like Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of information to take in and you just have to really know that that's what you want. And if it is what you want, if you know you want it, if you want it bad enough, then you just got to do it. Yeah. I think there are so many different paths of motherhood and it's not just the stereotypical like you know you said in the beginning it's not just the stereotypical okay I'm gonna wait until I find a partner and then we'll have a baby there are so many different ways I mean it's almost 2024 it's I think it's so good to normalize you know not going by the quote-unquote you know way that people expect you to you know, the path people expect you to go down. And if you're ready to have a baby, like you said, you know, it had been something that you were thinking about. And if you're ready to have a baby and you haven't met someone, then I, this, it's just so amazing that these are options that women have now, you know, and that this is, this is available to, for women to do if they are at a point in their lives where they want to become a mom and, you know, they don't have a partner. I think it's just incredible. Like this entire process, I'm like amazed by it. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And thank you for saying that. Like, it's like, it, it is, I still, I, like I said, like I look back on it and I'm just like, whoa, like all of these different milestones I've made it through, like, oh my gosh, like 
just just and then your child arrives and you're like this is the child I'm supposed to have like he if I had met somebody or settled for somebody like yeah of course I would have had another baby that I would have loved but then I wouldn't have Silas and he's so perfect and like it's just like everything just like falls into place you know and it's true like and and frankly you know the traditional ways of doing things like divorce is pretty high rate there's a high rate of divorce right now like there's no like perfect family you know Mm -hmm. there's there's just families and they're imperfect Mm -hmm. and they're perfect and they're everything in between Mm -hmm. and like Silas is always gonna know like we talk about it he has a donor you know like Mm -hmm. and and who knows what questions he's gonna ask me as he gets older but I have things prepared that I want to say to him I have things that yeah. we talk about we'll be very there's never going to be like we're not going to sit him down when he's 10 years old and be like you don't have a dad you have a donor like it's not going to be yeah. like that he's going to know his origin story forever like he's going to know yeah. how to talk about it we have books about it we have books about different families we have books about donor families like it's just and and honestly like I don't actually like I think this is becoming more common like maybe I'm the first person that you've talked to on this podcast who's a solo mom by choice but like they're out there they're in our community they're out there and they need they need support just as much as because because really at the end of the day like yeah I'm I'm doing it by myself but I'm just like every other mom you know like we're all in it together (laughs) whether we have a partner or not yeah no that's so true and I think um I think that's when it just the emphasis of having that community is so strong. Just having, like you said, you relying on that podcast to kind of gain more knowledge and feel support and books and, you know, Facebook groups and people on the internet that you meet. I think it's just no matter what kind of chapter you're in or what path you're going down with motherhood, I think that's when like an online community and obviously in-person community is just so important. Yeah. To, you know, just to show that you're not alone, no matter what you're going through. Exactly. I think it's amazing. Which is why you're doing such great work. (laughs) You are creating, you you. are one of the people in our community that's creating that community. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Of course. I love it. It's, I think it's amazing. I think it's so needed because I just think everyone is going through things that can make them feel so alone and just hearing someone else's story. Um, I just feel like that's so important just to share, to share your story and what you've been through. Um, so yeah, I think it's just important. Um, so last question that I always ask everyone, what does your next chapter look like? What do you want it to look like? Whether it because you know, whether it has to do with you and Silas, you just as a woman in general, what do you, what do you want that next chapter to look like? I think with like, because I have my human baby and then I have my yeah. business baby and yeah. kind of growing up together, which is yeah. kind of interesting and totally like unexpected. I, I just like, I'm not saying that like before I became a mom that I didn't have like any goals, but I feel like now my goals are just like so much more just like present, just like omnipresent, yeah. just like in my face. Like I have big goals for my business and, and all of that is to benefit myself and Silas. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, there's solo moms out there like me who are having other children, they're having more than one child. I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, which is also a little bit of a mourning process because, you know, I, my, I mentioned my friend had a baby recently and I held her little baby and I was like, Oh wait, wait, am I never going to do this again? I mean, and who knows, who knows? I could meet somebody and have another baby who knows, but I'm not going to be having another baby by myself. So it's just going to be me and my best buddy. Yeah. And we're just gonna, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's, I, I don't have an exact answer for you, but it's, it's just giving him the life that I want to give him and, and being able to like, you know, financially support us. That's like, that's the goal. And that's just, there's more, there's going to be more, there's more to this chapter. I just don't, I just don't know what it looks like yet. (laughs) But it's going to be you and Silas. (laughs) And And who knows who else will enter. Maybe Maybe somebody won't, maybe more people will. I mean, who knows? Like, blended families that's the thing now you yeah, know, people get, yeah like I said people get divorced they mm-hmm. get matched up with other people who knows mm-hmm. but I'm just I'm open to all things and I'm just like being present in my day-to-day life and present with Silas like mm-hmm. 
I every day is just I'm just grateful every day. Yeah. You don't have to answer this question, but if you want to, what made you decide that you don't want to have another baby by yourself? I think the financial piece is a big part of it, but I also I feel like I got I have it so good with him. Yeah. That I wouldn't want I mean this sounds so silly because another baby would just be just another thing to love, you know, like it's yeah. it, obviously like adding, and he would be such an amazing big brother, but I don't want to have to like, I don't know. I know what I'm saying is kind of silly. Like I, I know that if another baby were to enter our lives, it would be great, but I just don't want to rock the boat with him. Cause we have, yeah. we have, our life is like so awesome. You and, love where, yeah, you love where you two are at. Yeah, I don't think I'm that's silly little, at all. I'm a little, like, superstitious in the fact that, like, he's so easy and he's so chill. Like, if I were to have another one, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, they'd be a nightmare. But, you know, <laughs> I have two, I have two other embryos that are essentially that are, they're Silas's siblings, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm freezing, they're, they're frozen in a lab somewhere. Okay. Um, but. I had like every year I have to pay for them to be stored. And so when my bill came a couple of months ago to, to store them for another year, like I really thought about it. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I don't want to have another one, but this feels so crazy to like get rid of them. Like they're they're Who knows who these two little embryos are? Like, are they girls? Are they boys? Are are they as perfect as Silas's? (laughs) So it was very strange because I was like, do I pay this bill or do I not? And I ended up paying it, even though I don't want to have more children. I I paid the bill to store them for another year. I don't know. It's very strange. It's very strange. Anyone who's gone through like IVF, like the whole embryo thing is like, these are my babies, but they're not because they're not really babies. It's just like, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. That's gotta be crazy getting that in the mail and like having to make that decision. Like, am I... I think I would have done the same thing, even if I knew that I didn't want to, you know, go down that route again. I think I would do it just because it's such like a permanent decision if you decide to, to not, you know, have them stored for another year. Yeah. And then there's the whole idea of like, you can donate them. Like there's other families that want, that can't make embryos that want, that that get, essentially get, they don't, they get donated embryos, donor embryos. And then, but then that makes me feel weird. Like, how do I feel about that? Like right, right. genetic material and Silas's sibling, like going off to some other family. Like I'm not yeah. sure how I feel about that. I need more time to like process that. And I yes. just didn't have time to process that. So I was like, okay, I'm paying this bill and I'm going to think about it over the course of the next year and see how I yeah. feel next year. Yeah, no, I love that. I think unless you're 100% sure, I think it's good to have time to really think about that decision. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was amazing. It's hour and 15 minutes later. That was amazing. I really do appreciate you coming on. I think this is such, you have such an amazing story. And I think it's so more than anything. I just think it's so empowering and also so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I just think it's really going to give other women inspiration too, that are maybe, have considered this, but they don't know a lot about it or they're scared to go through the process and start that process and look into it. And I think it's just so empowering to know that you don't have to go down that traditional route that everyone, you know, that everyone views in society. I think it's so amazing that, you know, you're here to say you can do it on your own. You can do it when you don't have a partner and it's amazing. I mean, and it can be just as amazing. Yes. It can be on the other end of it. And you know, if you, when the episode airs, I'm not sure when you're planning to put it out, but if you hear from anybody who wants yeah. to like connect them with me, I am an open yes. book. Like I am happy. I really want to like normalize this and just yes, like, because once you find out that you know somebody, then it's like, wait, it just the community builds. So yes, if, absolutely. You, if you hear from anybody who's interested or, or who wants to learn more, just like send them my way or send yeah. them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would love message to. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for letting me share. This is, I feel like we could talk for hours, obviously. But... <laughs> we definitely could. <laughs> no, it was amazing though. I'm just, I'm so grateful that you came on and shared this. And I think, I think so many people are going to be able one way or another just to connect to it or feel, you know, inspired by it. That's the word I was looking for is inspired. 
there we go. It came to me. <laughs> but I really do appreciate it. And uh, I'm excited for everyone to listen to this and listen to your story. And that is it for today's episode. I just want to thank Erin again for coming on and sharing such an incredible and empowering story. You can find her website, the link to her website, and any other information in the bio of this podcast episode. And... I, I'm just truly so grateful that she came on. She's such an amazing person, and I'm so grateful um, to have sat down and talked to her and just to know her in general. So I hope you guys love this episode. We will be, we will be back next Tuesday to talk with another amazing mom and share her story. So I will see you guys next week, and uh, have a great week, guys.